Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I was homeless. I didn't want to be a burden. I think a lot of homeless people, that must happen to them. You know, you get a bit too proud and you don't want to be a burden on it. So when I come back, people are like, oh, you can stay with me, stay on my sofa. I'm thinking, I don't want to stay on their sofa, you know. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to comedian, writer and director Ashley Gorman. Hello, I'm Steve Whiteley and welcome to Balancing Acts, a series of conversations with an array of creatives. We talk about their journey, the struggles they faced whilst progressing their career, strategies they use to unlock their creativity, how they balance their career with their personal lives, what impact this has had on their mental health and lots more. As a comedian, Ashley has won the London Comedy Store's brutal King Gong competition. He's gigged in comedy clubs up and down the country, was host of the Gourmania podcast, and he also launched the infamous South Kensington Comedy Club. And as a writer and director, he created his proof of concept show, Diamante, which we talk about in this conversation. As I'm sure you can gauge from the teaser, this was quite inspiring to hear Ashley's story how he went from being homeless to following his his dreams to become a comedian and writer and director and, and making solid progress. There's a moment early on where we discover that we were both born in the same hospital and grew up in pretty much the same area. So we spent a good deal of time covering ground in terms of swapping names, who's doing what now, is such and such in prison, and so forth and so forth. So to protect the privacy of the people that we talk about uh, from our ends, shall we say, I've edited a lot of that bit out. Also, you probably won't find it interesting, but it was very enjoyable to chat to Ashley about various and notorious faces from back in the day and what they're currently up to. Also, I should give a heads up forward slash warning. At some point in this conversation, Ashley describes his former life as a driver for escorts which is what inspired his uh, proof of concept film Diamante and as he's describing his role and some of the scenarios that occurred during this time he does use some strong and explicit sexual language which I've decided not to edit out because it very much plays a part in him explaining his motivations for making the film and to be honest we are all familiar with bodily parts and we know what their names are and we're adults so I've given the warning if that sounds like it offends you then just be aware that it's going to come up around I think the midway mark oh and just to let you know I now have a blog I have a blog it's very exciting isn't it I've heard about these blog things apparently it's the future the future of writing, so forth. So I decided I was going to jump on board early doors. My blog consists of random stories and events that happen in my life and certain musings mulling around in my mind. So if you want to gain a further insight into my own madness, then uh, feel free to jump onto my website, stevewhitely.co, that's W-H-I-T-E-L-E-Y, and there you will find a blog section you can click on it will take you through to the different articles. I mean, I've I've written three so far. It's enough to get stuck into. And uh, I very much welcome your feedback. If you are enjoying them or not, then uh, do let me know. And as always, if you enjoy this episode and you haven't done already, please do subscribe to the podcast 
And uh, if you're really enjoying it, a rate and reviewing on Apple would be much as appreciated. And now without further ado, over to Ashley. So we were just saying that last time we saw each other was about two, I think at least two years ago at your comedy club, South Kensington Comedy Club, which I always enjoyed playing. I've always liked the vibe there. It's just got a bit of like an old school comedy club yeah. feel to it, you know? Yeah, it's nice. It's good for working stuff out and that, you know, it's a great one to work stuff out. I don't know if when you done it, I can't remember when it was. I was there. I remember being at you was great. Um, I can't remember when it was, but there was like a time where, because, we started doing the comedy down there in um, 2017, but for the first three years, it was it wasn't really busy. I used to like, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing, so we were just going downstairs and saying to people in the pub, "Do you want to come up?" Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Was I doing that still? Well, it was the room downstairs, and then it moved to the room upstairs. Oh right! After a while, before the pandemic, it had taken off. Before the pandemic, it had taken off. Like as I remember, we had people just coming back. It was still an open mic. But it was good to like work stuff out. It was really, really busy. It's just getting back to that now. But I've taken a break because I'm in uni at the moment. So you're uni at the moment, and you're you're studying acting, TV, and film. Uh, just film, film. Well, it's actually film and media I'm doing. Okay, because you did a yeah. post, you did a post grad diploma, right, in acting, TV. And yeah. Film. So yeah, no, no, it's a it's a BA in film and media. Yeah. Okay, great. And are you finding that useful with? applying your trade in the entertainment industry to be honest with you like i keep saying to people i did it for the screenwriting module only right and that's why i mean i wanted to just do screenwriting okay that's why i did it but in hindsight i've read a lot of books watched every youtube tutorial and actually been, been writing myself so i kind of feel now i could have swerved uni and just learned myself but right diy yeah I, I wouldn't advise anyone to go to uni to do it. But at the same time, being there, kind of, you know, like you've got, de- like for the screenwriting module, like I had deadlines. So that's yeah, yeah. Which is useful. So useful. Yeah. 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 That's good. Because if you don't have a deadline, like it's a lot of procrastination. And, yeah. you know, like I know that I have to have a first draft in by this date. And so that's, that's a good thing. Gives you a kick up the ass that way. But I do feel that there was a few books I could have just read and YouTube's brilliant, you know? So yeah. I could have done yeah it's crazy isn't it the amount of resources like no film school and it's just it's endless it's endless everything is available if you want to learn it's all there yeah you can actually learn anything on youtube now can't you like, they've got everything anything there. what's yeah. the most random thing that you've ever tried to learn <laughs> i've done so many stupid things i can't think that but i could you know what i actually using youtube i've done the guitar the piano thing yeah um yeah. I've, I've done boxing um not just on youtube but i mean i've you know, you like studied it on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the first things that they're the first things that come to the top of my head. I can't think of the rest of them. I just yeah. go in there for like just everyday stupid yeah. shit, like how to take a film out of a camera. I just got yeah, one, of those, uh, one of those like vintage yeah. cameras. Yeah, it's got everything, and there's everything on there. You, you name yeah. it, it's on there. Even like you said, the most stupidest thing will be on there. You know, and like you Crazy. can literally end up going down a rabbit hole. Like you said, you end up watching yesterday. I don't know how, I, how it happened, but I ended up going from Salma Hayek eating hot wings to Joe Rogan to something like it. Just so you know, they done. just keep, it's just the algorithm. They just do it to keep yeah. you keep you on there. They? See, that's the thing, right? So you can go onto YouTube to learn how to write, but yeah. the main blocks progressing in writing anything is procrastination, and so you're on this yeah. thing to learn. And YouTube is like the best source for procrastination. So you yeah, oh, watch a video yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. Oh, oh look, what's that video on Mike Tyson? Yeah. I'm gonna watch him train for <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I do that a lot as well. IFL TV, you know, like IFL TV. <sighs> what's IFL TV? It, what's what's that? It's the it's the one where um it's for boxing and they've got okay. Um, okay. you know, they've always got exclusive access to like Eddie Hearn, you yeah. know, they just yeah. done the exclusive of Anthony Joshua. I'm a mad boxing fan. Yeah, so, so I, I, I haven't seen up, that channel though. Yeah, oh I end up um, it's Coogan Cassian his name is the guy okay. I end up watching that for ages because they get like you know they get great little they get great interviews of everyone it'd be like just say like now that he obviously knows the people so he just gets them online or he actually goes around to their housing and he'll get them on the get them on his camera and get them chatting and it'll be uploaded a couple hours later and that's what the guy does for a living he's done well out of it nice nice right so you you're from northwest London aren't you 
Yeah. Whereabouts? Where'd you grow up? I was born in uh, Edgware. Same. Yeah. Oh, Edgware General. Yeah, Edgware General. Yeah, Edgware General. I was born in Edgware General. And I brought up around Burntoke. Okay. Yeah. 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 I used to get my kebabs from Burntoke on a Friday night. Yeah, I think everyone. So did I. Whereabouts? Do you remember what one? I can't remember. I was always smashed. To be honest, I was like, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen. I can't remember where it was, but I remember they were they were so good. Whereabouts um, did you live? So I was I I was in Edgware, and yeah, uh, yeah, I was I was Edgware, and I'm sure what are local pubs? Uh, The Edge of Town. Did you know the Edge of Town? Yeah. Oh yeah, I used to know the owner back in the day. Did you? That was rowdy. That pub. Yeah, yeah, I knew it then when you used to be able to go in there and then at about midnight it would shut, the ashtrays would come out, we'll be there till six in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, They used to have down the road, they used to have a place called Cafe Edge. I remember Cafe Edge, yeah. Yeah, they used to do garage nights there. They used to do garage nights. Yeah, yeah, I, I worked there when I was 15. What, at Cafe Edge? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. must have crossed paths. I was a kitchen porter though in, uh, what was it? It's cafe. It is called. Yeah, it's called Cafe Edge. Edge of Town Cafe Edge. Yeah, I worked yeah Edge of Town and Cafe, cafe Edge. Edge. What about? Yeah, do you remember that. a place called the Juice Bar? The Juice Bar. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, like I where we used that. A lot of us used to hang out there and play snooker. Yeah, I do remember that. Had a dodgy owner. Oh yeah, yeah. So did the um, Cafe Edge and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. I remember one time. I remember like because I used to go there when I was so young. We'd always go there, obviously underage. And I remember one time I went in. I went, it was one of my first times there and I went to the toilet and I was like, we're getting ready for a night out. You know, I just look at myself in the mirror and this guy comes in and he's washing his hands and he turns around to me and he goes, you look really good, mate. Uh, and I was like, oh, 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 thanks, mate. He goes, nah, I was joking. <laughs> like, yeah. You just, and that set, the tone. that set the tone yeah. for that place. Yeah. That's one thing I'll say about Edgeware and Bionoke is full, full of like some proper sh- and funny characters. So this is the bit where Ash and I go on to talk in detail about some of the people we grew up with. And so for the sake of both the listener and, uh, as I said earlier, to protect the privacy of the dodgy geezers mentioned, I decided to edit this bit out, mostly for fear of retribution. I've taken a break from comedy because I, I wanna, what I want to do is the writing and directing. Okay. So I've taken a, a break from it, but I mean... Comedy was going all right. Like I've, I've, I've won the gong. I just got my first open spot in the comedy store. I've just got in to do Top of Your Secret, you know, like when I say regularly, every other month. I run a monthly show. The gong. I run the gong show at Top Secret, which helps new acts get on there. Yeah. So I was doing that. And like, you know, the open mics go well, but my passion, mate, is like writing. And I, I, like, I really like writing. And I'm, do you know what I'm doing at the moment? I was thinking this because... You know, with the writing fingers as well, it's like, it's not even so much the script writing that takes as long. I mean, obviously, like, like honing it, making it better, though. But for me, I take a long time to outline. I spend a lot of time on outlining. That's good, though. You want to spend time. Yeah. There. Otherwise, yeah, you I know, I, I never used to. And then you end up, what you end up, if, when you don't Same. outline, you just end up with loads of fucking script that you never finished. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've yeah, got totally. loads of They go nowhere. Hmm. You get to like the midpoint, or, or not even you might not even get as far as the midpoint. You just get like to nowhere, and then you're just stumped because you've had this idea, you've got an idea for a couple of things, you've got characters talking, and then there's no, there's it's not going anywhere. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Have you read uh, the craft of character? Uh, Mark's book. That? Yeah. 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 It's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. That book. Do you know what I think? Mark After you, who, who's been a previous guest. For anyone listening, yeah. wondering who Mark is. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's another. I'm, I talk to him now because I this is because he's the one that recommended your podcast to me. And by the way, you know when people say, "Oh yeah, I love your podcast," but they're probably chatting shit because they're just saying that they ain't really <laughs> listen. They ain't really listen to it. I listened to this, but I didn't say to Mark, "Oh, get me on it," because I was like thinking, oh, I ain't got really much to talk about. But I suppose I've turned out I've got stuff to talk about. Yeah, but um. Yeah, no, this is a great podcast. It's good. It Thank really you. I appreciate is. it. Thank you, man. I just, yeah, it's a good podcast. But what I was going to say, um, with the craft of character, I now think, and I say this to everyone, they go, oh, I want to write a script. What would you advise? I say, right, get Sid Field's Definitive, Definitive Guide to Screenwriting, yeah? That is a book that will teach you the mechanics of a screenplay, yeah, for like films and that, all right? 
and then get the craft of character. We teach you about character. And now there's one I'm reading now that because I got notes back from a production company and they recommended I read this book. And I think oh, another book because I've read like loads. But you, you've probably read it. Have you had the eight characters of comedy? No. Oh, uh, this, yeah, them three books. And then what did you say YouTube. it's called eight, eight characters of comedy? Yeah. Oh, listen, you've got to read okay. this book. Okay. So good. So really? good. You know what? I couldn't, I couldn't wait for it because I couldn't wait for it to come by uh, Amazon one day. I was so impatient. I've got it yesterday, only yesterday, mate. And I am, I've got it on this Kindle here. I've nearly finished it. You know, I've just been binging on it. The eight characters of comedy. Uh, where is it? Is it by, by Scott? And you're an actor as well, aren't you? Yeah, I've yeah. taken a bit of a break. Well, similar to you, really. I've taken a bit of a break yeah. from the performing things for, um, well, since well, the pandemic. I've been dipping in and out of it, really. This is also about uh, sitcom acting, but it's really interesting because, like, in this book, he's talking about, like, and it made me think about my stand-up and some of the things that work and didn't work. He's talking about rhythm, of the way the rhythm of the way they say yeah, things yeah. in sitcoms. Okay. And I didn't realise... That, that was actually happening in the sitcom. Like, I never noticed it. And then now reading this book, I'm like, no, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, like, there's a joke I do about um, on stage. And it's not, I said to my mate, it's not a joke, but they always laugh. It's like, I say, uh, I got arrested for the first time. Uh, you never guess got arrested for. And I, and I just say, drunk cycling twice. But it's the rhythm and the way right. that I say it yeah. is what make what's induced is a massive laugh. And then I point, and say, this guy's looking at me because he thinks I ain't laughing because obviously I'm fat. And then they laugh at that. And I go, he's looking at me like he didn't know drunk cycling was a crime. Yeah. And I say, it's not, but it is if you're carrying drugs. And then they laugh. Yeah, at yeah, yeah. But it's the, it's the rhythm. And that was something I was doing naturally and I didn't realise I was doing it. And my point is that with this book, I'm going to try and implement that now into a sitcom that I'm going to write. I'm going to try okay. and use the same kind of rhythm because I was like, yeah, that really fucking works. And it's not just... Um, about sitcom acting it's the writing and it, you know it breaks down the different art types and okay. you know stuff like that i mean i've i've read mate i mean if you name a book i've probably read it yeah and I, there's definitely not a youtube a youtube tutorial i haven't seen yeah, you know the bible like, you read the bible the bible yeah 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 yeah, yeah classic well, i put them all in there i've got uh yeah i've got most of them apart from if they you know the guys that have two books i haven't gone and bought their second book you know and stuff like that. some people have got yeah, like, just, like, they're like just taking their piss aren't they just trying yeah to... they are they're yeah. just milking it now and and then it, and it gets boring more, th- more things to know about uh script writing that i didn't yeah. do in the previous one well, why didn't you tell me in the first one <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why i like and the, the other thing is as well i find with mark's book the craft the character and with the eight characters of comedy it's not too complicated have you read into the woods i was going to mention that one yeah john york yeah, like for me, that's quite heavy. I'm doing his course in um, yeah. January. It's uh, based on drama because uh, I just thought, why not? Oh, is that online or in person? It's online. Oh, that's online. still great, though. Yeah. I did the, um, what's the guy that wrote? Mine's come back. Nine of Duty. Jed, Jed, Jed Mercurio. Did you do the yeah. BBC Maestro course? Yeah, have you done that? No, is it good? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. So, um you created your proof of concept, Diamante. Was that the first time you had decided to go out and create your own, you know, uh, I guess it's like it falls between a short film and a pilot episode, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's what you said is a proof of concept to then go and pitch to yeah. production companies and so forth. How did you arrive at that decision to, to, to make it? Um, I, what was I doing? I did Bennett Aaron's. Uh, sitcom writing course, you know? No. I did a sitcom writing course and that was on, because I remember I was checking my emails the other day to see when I first wrote anything about Diamante. And I wrote a sitcom, which is nothing like that proof of concept. It's completely different. You know what okay. I mean? Completely different story. The only thing is the same is that the, the, the three main characters have got the same name, but it's a completely okay. different story because okay. obviously it was a sitcom and this is a drama. Um, yeah, I wrote that on November the third last year and then like that was i think it's only a week long one week long was we still in lockdown then i think we might have still been lockdown. it was a week or i can't remember it's a week long writing course and then i just thought this isn't really a sitcom 
you know this isn't really a sitcom and i'm a big fan of what what i mainly watch is a lot of drama like or drama the like comedy drama so i got an assignment remember i said i was in uni i got an assignment for uni and it was to write a 30 minute short film and then i thought if i'm going to write a 30 minute short film because i thought what you do in uni is that you you write it and make it but it doesn't go like that it's different mm. modules for different things so i thought right, if i'm going to write this 30 minute short film i'm going to write it as a tv pilot but then also i'm going to make it in the summer that, that was yeah. always, always my plan so then i what did i do that was in november december december i um had the first draft and you know do you ever do this you just write the first draft and then you just leave it <laughs> oh, yeah all the time yeah yeah i just left it and then i i was listening to another podcast called the one where and it had on a guy, a screenwriter called Shane Allen. You should listen to that episode, it's quite good. And um, he he was talking about his journey to screenwriting. And I thought, oh, wow, right. he's got like a similar similar story to us, like kind of similar kind of background and that, you know, like he worked from Edgeware, but you know, he sounds like he he, he knows the crack, you know what I mean? Right. It always and feels just, it always feels good, doesn't it? When you hear someone yeah. like that and you're just like, oh, yeah, okay. maybe this is yeah, maybe it's doable. Yeah. Yeah, he just had his show coming out on BBC America called The Watch. It was adapted. It was a superhero thing adapted. Yeah. He'd been working with um, Frank Spotnix, you know, from X-Files, Man in the High Castle and stuff like that. And I, yeah, after I reached out to him, spoke to him, and uh, he was really sad. And he just said to me, just write, just write. And then I thought, he's right. Just fucking stop talking about it. Just, just write. And then yeah. I just went at it, mate. I rewrote Diamante. I'm going to... I know the first 17, 18 pages, I reckon I've done the first 17, 18 pages about 50 times, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, even now, when I, now when I look back at it, it makes me cringe because even, even now when I'm watching it, I can tell that I was like, just still hadn't learned enough then. And it was so, it's just so on the nose. Like I'm just watching it like, oh God. But I had a screening on Saturday, right? Mm. And say like, they're watching it, right? 50 people are watching the screen. I faced my chair and I'm watching them. And I'm watching the people because I want to see, but all the jokes landed, the bits that were supposed to be funny. So I was happy because it's like, it it was like, you know, it's like when you write a new bit of stand up and the audience laugh, it makes you happy. So they was all laughing and like, and and they really enjoyed, you could tell they genuinely really enjoyed it. I don't think they was chatting shit on the way out because I didn't know some of these people. Some of the people you know, they might just be saying it. Yeah. But the people I didn't know didn't have to say anything and they really sure. enjoyed it. Yeah. So it went well, but I can see just, you know, now I've grown as a writer. Like I said, it's 12 months ago I started that, even though I rewrote it a lot. I've grown a lot now as a writer and there's so many things <sighs> I've been different. But yeah. at the same time, I think what, it's got me, whereas before producers wouldn't read any of my work or script, now I've messaged them and I think you said it to me and I think Mark said it as well. You said like it puts your head like 95% of people that haven't made stuff because it kind of makes you look a bit more serious, I think. Definitely. And they're like, okay, yeah, we will have a look here. Whereas before they're like, no, we don't accept unsolicited material. Right. Whereas a few people are now. So I've made good connections and yeah. I've had 90% good feedback. I actually had some yesterday that wasn't good feedback, but 90% of the feedback is good. Um, how, did you deal with, how did you deal with the negative feedback? Ah, oh, just you know, uh, I was, you know what it was. It's just I'll tell you. Have you seen it or, or I haven't sent it to you? Have I? Yeah, no, I, I watched it. I thought it was great. Oh. I was really oh, impressed. It's like it's high production value. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and do you know what? It and is also, I like the and and I, I like that you gave um you gave the characters space. You know, because I think like there can be a tendency sometimes you start off to try and pack it with action. You know, yeah. I'm, I, I'm saying that from first-hand experience because that's what I would do. You know, and I started yeah. off, and perhaps I still have a tendency to do that sometimes. But I'm, the beginning, it was sort of like Fighting there was that. a lot of yeah, the, the, it was, but there was there was space there. You gave you gave space yeah. to really sort of introduce the characters. Yeah. What what the problem it was yesterday, and this is, um, I don't want to say nothing bad about the person, but like what it, what it, I think it is. If you're not brought up in that certain kind of life around them certain kind of people, because she's got to remember this is this. Oh, by the way, Diamante, did I tell you that that's a true story? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Diamante's a true story, right? I'll tell you. She put that at the beginning, you know that. She put that at the beginning. Yeah, this this is a true story. 
Yeah, it, I should do, shouldn't I? Yeah, I will do that. Yeah, because if I knew that at the beginning, I'd be like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's based on a true story. Oh, there was no 22-inch double-winded dildo. You know what I mean? Like, I put that in for comedic effect. That's just something I just put oh, in. Might just yeah. But, like, um, that was a true story. I was working as a driver for an escort agency in the summer of 2017 from, what was it, from, say, May to, like, September. How do you it get that gig? Out- um, my friend was an escort and she right. said to me and I was like just going through divorce just started open mic so I wasn't making any money do you know what I mean like, so I was just struggling um, I was a driving instructor but after for years but then after I went through this divorce and got into comedy I just didn't I was getting into the car next to people and I was just thinking fuck off <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore so I just like got into that and I hired a Mercedes C-Class. And I was working for Diamond Escorts, which is where Diamante, yeah, I did Diamante come. I was working for Diamond. Right. And um, basically what happened was the lady said to me, she went, look, we've never had no trouble in 10 years. Everything will be fine. Don't worry. Um, blah, blah's vouched for you. Said you're a nice guy and, and all that. You know I mean, you know, that these are the rules. So the girl, like when you go in, the girl goes in. She says she's all right then you just wait outside and then she'll call you before she comes out. When she comes out, she gives you the money. Say it's 130 pound. We take, we take, um, she takes 50 pound. We take 60 pound. You take 20 pounds of the first hour. If she has any add-ons, any additional hours, you get 10 pound for every additional hour. You know what I mean? So it's like 10 pound an hour, really. Okay. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll do it, see how it goes. Anyway, so I've, got, I've met this girl, Abby, yeah? Um, I'm in. I'm still in contact with Abby as well. That's not obviously not her real name, but that's yeah. her working name. Yeah. And uh, I told her, and I've sent her this thing. And I met this girl, Abby, this Irish girl. And how it all actually works is they meet off a junction of the M25 in a car park. It's exactly like that's the other thing as well about this woman. Sorry, she thinks that I would that there was a gender issue. You know, like there's a bit in the car where he drives past and all the girls are there and stuff, right? She didn't like that, but I'm I'm like, but that's how it is. That's, that's, that's the reality of the that's, situation. That's yeah, that's that's yeah. that's a reality. That's my story. That's what happened. Yeah. So you go into this car park, this Sainsbury's car park. It is that was the Hollywood Bowl we filmed in. But it's a Sainsbury's car park. When you go in, it's just loads of women and loads of drivers, right? And they just sit there until they get a job, and when they get a client, they drive off. So I've met this girl, Abby, anyway, picked up from Greenford. We've gone to this junction, 22 at the M25 or something. Was this, was this like around your ends where you grew up? No, this was like London Coney I had to go. So off oh, the M25. Right. So okay. I said, it was that Sainsbury's there. Always. So I went there and I, I picked her up. We're chatting. We got, I, there was no like, really, I, that in the, the bit that isn't true, there was no attraction. I didn't like. In there, I kind of make it look like there's a will they won't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was nothing like that. I was not interested and never was she. But we was actually both, like my some of my family from Dublin and she was from Dublin. So we got along and I've lived in Dublin. So we were chatting, you know, like talking about stuff like that. And then the job come in. Perfect. Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, If you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. We go to this job and I'm starving of my eating. And I'm thinking, she said she's all right. I thought she's going to be an hour. So I spun the car around. As I've gone up the road, to get, um, I've gone to get a pizza because I saw a Domino's on the way. She called me back. She's like, ah, I need you to come and get me right now. I was like, like she thought I was outside. So I said, I'll be one minute. Spun this. This was actually in the script, but I didn't have the budget to make to make the um, drive look like, you know, because it wouldn't yeah. look more like that than the Fast and Furious, but I, yeah, I didn't have the budget for it. So yeah. I spun this car around. I'm weaving in and out of these cars. I've run through, banged on the door. I've opened the uh, letterbox and I see the man. He's holding the girl by the neck. I said, mate, if you don't open the door, I'm going to fucking kick it down, mate. He went to me, she's shit. She won't do anal. And, I, and, then, I, and then it's like clear as day. There's all people. It's like a summer's evening, seven o'clock. All people. And then I shout back to the letterbox. Come on, mate. You know anal's an extra hundred pounds? <laughs> that was in the original script. That was in the original. That was in the original script, but we took it out. I, I can't remember what reason I took it out. 
But um, so did you I end said, up kicking oh. the door down? Yeah. So you can take. It was exactly like that. So you didn't get. I kicked the door down. I've gone in. I've run up. I'm going to open the door. I'm fat, but this guy was like muscly, right? For fuck's sake. So I've run up and I've just grabbed him like this from the top. We fell from the top of the stair to the bottom. She's there. She wouldn't, she should have just let go. You know what it was? It was all because Abby wouldn't let go of the bloody money. She was like, he was like, I want my money back if you're not doing anal. And she was like, it's anal's an extra. And plus, I don't do extras. So she's got the money. And then me and him at the bottom. And then to the left, this is what I'm saying. It wasn't a double one good. To the left of me was a screwdriver. So I've just reached and I've grabbed this screwdriver. And as I'm coming down, something grabbed me. It was police. The police grabbed me, pulled me away, pulled him away. But they didn't nick me. They, they or Abby, they nicked the guy for imprisonment and kidnap. They said like, they basically made that like I was a hero, and they fucking like like they treat me like a proper hero. They was like, "Oh, come down to Hitchin Station. You done really well. How do you know her and all that?" I said, "Well, I was on um, Gumtree and I saw someone looking for security drivers, which is a lie." And I said, "So I just applied for the job and I was just looking after. Her. I don't even know her." So it was a bit like good fellas you know when he don't rat on the fucking yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, family so then after this donna i think don't i don't really was done she calls me up she says oh uh i heard you can handle yourself and she's like next time i want you to look after two girls <laughs> so the next night there's me all driving around <laughs> me and two girls and then i had three girls and then it was just always a drama and it was always about anal because it basically is 130 pounds for a blowjob and missionary yeah with with a condom anything else is Anything else is an extra, and then they start kicking off when they're not when, when it don't include anal, and they don't want to pay the extra hundred pounds for the anal. That's what, and that was why don't my, they I just don't... ask? Why don't they ask up front? Oh, I've, this, I've things, had, this this industry it needs to be completely revamped. <laughs> they need to have paperwork. There should be contracts yeah. in place. They need to have counter signatures. That's where they're going wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, like it's, it was mad, man. And like, I had it with a guy at the Dorchester. We didn't start fighting, but we was in each other's faces. He's going, she won't... I can't do the Scottish accent. But she, he was screaming, she won't do anal in the Scottish accent in, in the in the Dorchester in front of the... You know, like the people that work there, I can't remember what they called them. Is it the Bellboys or whatever? It was mental. And I did wow. that for a while. And the thing is, when you do this job, you, I didn't really feel... It wasn't... The women wanted to be there. And they... I really admired them because they are fucking hustlers. Like, they know exactly how to get the most amount of money out of someone that will tell you that they've only got enough money for an hour. Like, if they've got any more money to get, these girls will fucking get the money out of you. Like, and they were just, I admired their hustle and stuff, but like, it was just, I didn't like doing the, I didn't like the drama and kicking off. And I didn't like the, like, I'd pick them up at say seven and then I'd be working till seven or eight. I didn't like that. It was just yeah. too much. Right. And then, yeah, it's too much. So that, that's what you're, you know what I'm thinking? I'm like, you're, your hustle, your your um, background, you know, in your former career as um, yeah. as a uh, distributor of good times, <laughs> shall we say? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've taken those experiences and you've applied that hustler mentality to your comedy career, from running and launching your own night at South at South Kensington Comedy Club to now creating your own proof of concept. I think that sort of thing sets people apart. You know, the the ones that have got that industry to just like go out and create their own yeah, opportunities. Yeah, because you yeah. know it's not like you can't just sit there with a begging plate waiting for it to happen because you know that it won't. I can't. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't. And like, I, I get that. Um, I get anxiety if I'm sitting around waiting for like things to happen. But, oh, yeah, I want to quickly say what I was saying about that woman saying about the gender issues. And oh, yeah. her problem was, yeah. I went off on a tangent about the, it being a true story, but her good problem story, was... Though. Bloody good story. Yeah. <laughs> her problem was, is that she didn't like it, that it seemed like and I had this on a note from someone else, like Mark or someone, because he gave me that, or someone else had already given me the note. So I'd already fucking changed the script. Because uh, originally, he was a bit, it, it kind of happened how it happened in real life. It was yeah. close to real life. And then I was like, no, I need to make this woman badass. I'm going to give her a 22-inch double in a dildo. She's going to beat the guy unconscious, and she's going to save herself. Yeah. And that way, uh, you know, it's showing, you know, strong, in the, like, strong women female, that they don't yeah. need a man. That's yeah. the message I was putting across. And the other message was, the underlying message was, is that everybody can be a hero, no matter what their class yeah. is or their job or anything. But it got missed by this person giving these notes. Like, she missed that. Like, I think she she felt that I was enforcing that women need, and she said, we need to steer clear of that. Yeah, it's um, interesting. But I think what also is interesting about that whole, that whole thing is that um, 
sometimes it's really hard to when you're writing something that's based on your own experiences it's very hard to to sort of like have distance from it and separate yourself from the actual original experience because often i've found and i'm sure you know this and you've done it yourself when you're sort of telling stories on stage as a stand-up sometimes you have to um you might invent the truth you know, you, yeah. might have to, you change an ending or there's only a character in there that wasn't in the original story, but you do it right. for the effects, right? You do it for comic yeah. effects. And it's the same, I think, applies to writing. When you're writing something that's autobiographical, you're kind of this part of you that's like emotionally attached. Well, that's what happened. So yeah, why yeah, wouldn't yeah. I write that? But yeah, sometimes yeah. you need to, you know, I think you need to sort of play around with yeah, the yeah. truth sometimes to, to make it work. Yeah, yeah I, did do, I did do that with the story, but I just didn't see anything wrong with him because the idea of that scene was, and that scene was actually supposed to be epic. Like there was supposed, you know, I had about 20 extras cancel on me. The girls you will see are all comedians. In the this. extras will always cancel. If they're not getting paid, yeah. extras yeah, are yeah. sorry, mate, something's come up, mate. Yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. sorry, it's just our workers yeah. called me in. You know, it's like, oh, really? Yeah. Like 10 of you in yeah. a row? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was like so many. Because basically it was supposed to be the point, because because now the protagonist is now taking this job. And he's entering this whole new world for the first time. And this is the first, because I'm just trying to remember how I felt when I was going, I drove into that car park and I was just like, how the fuck has this been going on? Like, I'm driving in and there's all these women just standing by these cars and no one's saying anything and no one's noticed. But I suppose thinking about it, to, uh, so unless you know that they're escorts, you're just thinking, oh, look, there's a bunch of beautiful women. Because they're not trying to solicit sex. They're not trying to sell sex in the car park. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like they get called for the jobs and then they go after houses. So I suppose if you were to drive in and you didn't know, it could just look like a bunch of beautiful women standing with guys by cars. Was it Tesco's? You know? Was it? Was it Tesco's? He's like, where was it? Yeah. Sainsbury's. Imagine, Sainsbury's you, yeah, you just imagine like all the sort of local husbands. Oh, love, just going off to Sainsbury's. But he, went there, he, went, he went there this morning already. You know, and yeah, I yeah. forgot something. Um, I'll just go, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be mental. The most but glamorous like, Sainsbury's in uh, yeah, yeah. London Colney, like the most unlikeliest of places to uh, attract yeah. sort of glamorous looking women in a Sainsbury's so, yeah, car park. Yeah, yeah, yeah crazy. So yeah, that were my notes. I mean, I, I didn't agree with the notes on that one, but how, how, because I felt I'd already like, you know, done well to make it not look like a male saviour. Mm. But then, and then she said about the, the way that the guy talked to, the protagonist talks to the stepdad and you know like that's just how people would speak from where i'm from you know remember this is supposed to be kind of urban he's supposed yeah. he's not supposed to be speaking prim and proper he's supposed to be talking but then that's like but that. then that's fine like what you make or what you create is gonna everything is subjective yeah. and so if it's not right for her then yeah. that's fine then yeah you can take on board some of the notes if you want or if you choose not to then that's yeah. all right as well you know it's up to you isn't it um yeah, I always like to accept notes and graciously, you know, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, no, I, oh, yeah, I was like that. Yeah, even, even if, oh, even no, if internally, I'm just like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. I know I, I was. I was. No, I was like so grateful because yeah. I mean, it took about two months to give me these notes and they're a big production company. I didn't want to burn bridges or anything. No, of mean? course. Of course. And it's the same with um, like, but I mean, I've, that's the first time I've had notes where I was like a bit like, well, I disagree, but I didn't. Mm. I didn't say anything. I was like, like you said, thank you so much for taking the time. And she was the one that actually recommended that eight characters of comedy to me. Oh, great. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so so that's your focus now at the moment is to push ahead as a comedy, I was going to say comedy writer, writer, director, but you were saying sort of more like dramedy. That's yeah, the tone that yeah. really you're, you're kind yeah. of moving towards. Yeah, I say that, but you know what? You know, I was also saying there's a, I did an outline for a sitcom and I've never wrote a sitcom about PCSO, you know, police community support officers. Yeah. Um, I did a, I wrote like a little outline about that, but I haven't, I did it backwards. I've done the scenario and I, I haven't done the characters yet. Do you know what I mean? There's four of them, but yeah. I haven't done the characters. Like, like the beats and everything's all there. So I'm going to, after I've read this book, I'm going to do that as well. You know, like yeah. give it a go. Cause I just want to show that I can, you know? Yeah. 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 Why not? Ash, there's one question I didn't ask you uh, that I wanted to ask you, which was, I, and I'd, I'd heard you talk about it in your stand-up, and that was about your time experiencing homelessness. Oh, yeah. What period of your life did that occur, and how did that come um, about? And, and how did you get past that? 
Um, I'll tell you what happened. That was the other thing I've got to say. How did Monte come around? Is I was homeless, living in the. I was going through this divorce. Came back from Thailand with no money. I was going to work for Red Driving School, but it takes a while for this all to go through. So I was homeless. I didn't want to be a burden. I think a lot of homeless people that must happen to them. You know, you get a bit too proud and you don't want to be a burden on it. So when they come back, people are like, oh, you can stay with me, stay on my sofa. I don't want to stay on their sofa, you know. So I went to the YMCA, got in the hostel there, and I was in there for a while. But then the time I actually refer to in the stand-up of like, <laughs> like being homeless is what happened was I was going out. This is like two years after that. I was going out with this Russian girl and I, I moved out to Surrey Stopped doing stand-up because she wanted me to get a proper job. You know what I mean? So I started um, doing recruitment and we had an argument. She just kicked me. She owned the place. It was her place. She's a rich girl. And she I had no leg to stand on. She just kicked me out. It was literally like she kicked me out. And I didn't have savings. I'd just given her rent. She kicked me out and wouldn't let me stay there. So I was homeless for a couple of weeks until um, that room where the woman shit on the floor become available. <laughs> And then, do you know what should have been the clue? Was the clue in that was there was no deposit and it was only £350 a month. That was the clue about the woman that shit on the floor. I should have known that in London, getting something for that price, something was up. Because I know, like, some people were like, why does he say he was home? He could have stayed at my house. But but I don't want to stay at your house. I mean, for some people, you've got family or you've got a girlfriend or it's just a burden. I felt like a burden on people. So right. I just chose to stay, you know, on, on, on my own there. That's basically why I was homeless and that, yeah. So it's yeah. quite an inspiring story, you know, that you went from being homeless to then running your own comedy night and creating this proof of concept show, which has led to conversations with TV production companies. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, well, I say I'm happy. I'm just saying that because I'm talking to you. Oh, I never give myself credit <laughs> for stuff like that. You know what I mean? We was, I was talking to this girl last night and I said, you know what? She was saying, you should be proud of yourself. I said, oh, I never give myself credit for stuff like that. But I suppose if you look at my whole journey from, like you said, selling good times to, like, I remember selling good times, living the high life, being like, you know, I was mad in love, I had this big extravagant wedding, travelled all around the world, came back, got divorced, was suicidal, homeless, started doing comedy, stand-up over mic. Eventually, it led to, and then I was homeless again, <laughs> And then it led to university, screenwriting, and like you said, the proof of concept, I might say, and speaking to production companies and, you know, just meeting great people. I think one of the best things as well, I've met, you know, we had a discussion about the people we grew up with as well. Hmm. I think as well, one of the great things about doing, I always keep, I have this joke, I say, I fucking hate this industry. But I mean, like, it's a joke, like, you know, it's not, it's much better than the old industry of the streets of Burnt Oak and Edgeware, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not, it's, it could be worse. And like, I, I like the people now, like all my friends are cool. You know? I think the, the thing as well is that it's the broad spectrum of people that you meet from all different walks of life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it as well. And the one thing you've got in common is your passion for, for comedy. Yeah. So outside of your comedy career, what do you do to unwind and, and relax? I go to a cinema, definitely on a Sunday, on my own. I go to the cinema on my own. Um, do you? Every Sunday? Do you make that like yeah, a commitment yeah, to yourself? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I go cinema. Yeah. yeah. Um, I said, you know what, though? Sometimes I'll go cinema more than once. But, I mean, occasionally, say, like, I've got a son. So, say if I've got him on a Friday or Saturday, yeah, I will okay. go and see something with him, but then I will always go on my own on a Sunday. Great. Yeah, the last thing I saw was... The last night in Soho. Oh, did you like that? Yeah, you got really rights film. Yeah, I want to yeah. see that. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I heard really good things. It. I heard good things. I saw okay. Him the, other, the night as well. I saw him the other night, but you know what it was? I was with people, and it it was an appropriate time. It was in a private member's place, uh, and um, I just thought I'm not going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> so always, always tricky, yeah. always tricky. So, okay, so cinema is that's your way to to unwind and relax. But then I guess yeah. it also is. I'm not saying it's work per se because you enjoy it, but I guess you've always got like that mindset where you're analysing everything and the yeah. writer and filmmaker in you is always analysing. Yeah, oh, I really, that one, I mean, have you seen it? No, no, I want to see, see it. That's a great, that's a great one to analyse, you know. I really, cinematic as well, it's great. Like, that yeah. was really, really, I, I enjoyed it. Do you know what, I've not enjoyed something that much in ages. Okay. 
really good. And just what they did with Soho was amazing because I'm down Soho quite a lot as well. Yeah. So I like it. I really like it what they did. Yeah. yeah. Will you, um, I mean, maybe this is, applies more to sitcoms, et cetera. When, when you're watching stuff, do you actually make notes? Like, you're analyzing, or do you watch it first, like once through and enjoying it, and then will you watch back again and then be a bit more analytical? It's, you know what? It depends when I'm gearing up to do something. Like, I think I told you last week I was gearing up to do um, a horror feature, to outline a horror feature. Yeah. So I spent like the last last seven or ten days before that watching, like you said, watching every thing you could think of on horror, but maybe not all of it. Maybe I flick through it to like some famous parts that I know about kills and stuff like that. And I do make, I guess I do kind of make notes or sometimes I'll just make mental notes, but I do. Yeah, I do. And I did, when I was doing sitcoms, I was making notes. I, was, I watched one episode of probably everything, you okay. know, like, yeah. yeah, I went through loads, you know, like loads. So um, I think you've got to do that though, haven't you? Yeah, you've got for sure. I and think that's a good fight. way of doing it as well, because you can't watch every series of everything so like watching an episode no. gives you a bit of a flavor do you know what i had a meeting with an agent right and i thought like um i thought i'd covered everything you know because i knew he was going to ask me crap. and then he's just reeled off like he reeled off and i was like he reeled off loads i hadn't seen you know like and i felt oh, yeah. i felt at that point like i'd covered everything he could possibly get he's probably going to ask me about or say that i hadn't and uh yeah he reeled off ones i hadn't seen but at that time there i hadn't seen inside number nine okay that was one of them. I can't remember. There's I loads can't... I haven't seen. There's loads. There's loads. Yeah, yeah. I try and, like you said, just try and watch one episode of them. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I mean, a good... There's just too many. There's loads. There's so many. I know. So I know. Many. And I mean, we've already touched upon this. I was, you know, the next question was going to be, are there any books that have particularly inspired you or or had a big impact in you on, on your life? It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, script-related per se. So like I said to you, it, for me... I felt it was a game changer when I read The Craft of Character. And what's the other book? Oh, yeah, um, Sid Field's book, The Definitive Guide to Screenwriting. Yeah, okay. I think them two. Oh, oh, and you know what I've started reading as well? Because um, of your podcast, funny enough. Um, I bought The Artist Way. I've only read the first chapter. Oh, great. Are you doing the journaling with it? Yeah. I've, I, you know, it's just about the morning pages and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been doing it, but I've not been doing three pages. Yeah, I mean, it's I, three I pages do, is a lot. Yeah, I don't do three pages. I do like a page. Yeah, you know I, what I, mean? it's page, yeah. I reckon yeah, everyone does page. that. Everyone, I, can't everyone, everyone I know it's just to keep repeating what you're saying and stuff, but I do a page and yeah. And <laughs> the other thing I did as well, again, because of your podcast. So funny. Because I, I thought I'll quickly listen to it again because I remember there was something at the end of his podcast and it's this. So I, I put on the one, um, oh, what is her name? The, the comedy writer. She's in Christine Rose. Arms. Christine yes, Rose. Yeah. That. And uh, I put on that and I listened to that. And she's talking about the cold shower thing. And I thought, I haven't done that. I was doing that. I thought I haven't done that in ages. So before this podcast, right? I put on the cold shower, right? I was just standing there looking at it. I figured I can't do this. So I turned it off and I put on this Whitney Houston song. <laughs> I'm going to wait to the drop. <laughs> you know, then we almost have it all. <laughs> Didn't we all? So I put it on. I put it in. I mean, I, I, I share a house with people where I've got a non-suite. So they must think, what the fuck was going on in there? <laughs> I was screaming in that shower, mate. I tell you what, I haven't done the cold shower in ages, but I felt yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, they're game changer. Yeah. Oh, well, I have to put on some Whitney next time. I thought you might go for something more like I want to dance with somebody, you know, something a bit more of a beat, but you went with something uh, I more melodramatic. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm glad you're doing that. And <laughs> um, yeah, I guess then yeah, my net my my final question for you, Ashley, is what does the idea of balance mean to you or not? And I say or not because you might not believe in it. You might be like, nah, yeah. I'm all in. I think, you know, like I said the thing with balance. I think, you know, that thing I do, some people think it's strange that I'll go to the cinema. And this, they said to do this in the artist way, spend time with your creative self. But I, this is before the artist way. Okay. Um, I think to have balance, I think it's great, especially if you're creative, to have that time on your own, away from everything. Or maybe, say if you're into comedy, maybe actually sometimes you need to get a break from comedy and not just watch it. But like cinema or something like that, or maybe even like a walk or a drive. These things, like I come up with my best ideas when I'm on my own, like doing stuff like that, like driving, yeah, yeah, like I mean. walking. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's what because it's time alone. So you got to have your balance. 
Great. That's a really good answer. And where can people keep up to date with what you're up to in terms of your socials? I'm on social media. I hate it. I'm, I'm, I'm Ashley Gorman on um, Instagram. I heard you saying as well on that podcast, um, have you have you stuck to deleting the app off your phone? No. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, Obviously I deleted not. it the other day. I said to my mate, I went, I went, I've deleted the Instagram off my phone. It's fucking rubbish, mate. I just feel like I'm just watching people's lives. And then anyway, next thing you know, I must have posted something on my story and I just get a WhatsApp. It's like, that lasted long. It's like 24 hours I was off there or something. It's just a nightmare. Especially if you're trying to write something. Or oh, like, or complete procrastination. Yeah, you're just going on it and you just go on it. And it, it's like, they're all built in a way to keep you on there. But yeah, I'm Ashley Gorman on Instagram. Sit, mate. Okay. Um, all right, mate. Well, look, really great chatting with you. Yeah, and nice um, one, particularly uh, good to reminisce over the old uh, Edgware burnt oak days. Oh, yeah. It's great, mate. Great. Nice one. Perfect. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.